Welcome to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We hope the following program will challenge you and encourage you in your faith journey. What I thought was going to be the death of me, our miserable marriage, was the death of me. But it was the proper death, the biblical death, that we need to die in Christ in order that He might resurrect us and bring us uh, the life that He desires for us to have, not what we think we can work out on our own. Well, that's Leroy Wagner, and you'll hear more from him and his wife, Kimberly, today on Focus on the Family. Thanks for joining us. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. Leroy and Kim's heart for marriage is evident. Uh, They walk through such desolation, but God restored their relationship to one that is full of beauty and intimacy. And that's what marriage should be. That's one reason we here at Focus on the Family believe so strongly in honoring marriage and why we want to help you make your marriage as strong and as thriving as it can be. When two unique personalities come together, especially when one is strong and the other perhaps a little more uh, timid, things can get off track. Uh, Relationships can become strained and marriages can wither into desperate misery. But there's always hope. And today, Leroy and Kim's story, I know, is going to encourage you. Yeah, uh, the Wagners have been married for about 40 years, and they have two adult children, Rachel and Caleb, and a growing tribe, as they put it, of grandchildren. Uh, They co-authored the book, Men Who Love Fierce Women, The Power of Servant Leadership in Your Marriage. And here now is the conversation we had with Leroy and Kim Wagner. Well, um, this is a new work, this Men Who Love Fierce Women, and it was kind of born out of the last program, uh, or at least you guys may have been thinking about it, and that puts some heat under the kettle to get cooking. Yeah. Um, talk about that motivation, Men Who Love Fierce Women. What was going on in your marriage that uh, now has created this work? Well, uh Our marriage was in a complete state of miserable dysfunction uh, for a long period in our marriage, even though we were both committed to Christ, committed to serving the Lord. Theologically, I would say that we were biblically sound, but um, uh, we had some uh, difficulty in relating to one another that kept uh, uh, reoccurring, and and we didn't really understand. We couldn't get a handle on what was going on, why we could not have the harmony and the peace in our relationship. And uh, it was about 15 years of marital misery uh, that uh, we just thought there's no way that uh, we can work this out on our own. And we just were consigned to living in misery, uh, which is not what God intended uh, because we didn't believe in divorce. And uh, I think there are probably a lot of couples out there that are uh, Christian couples, uh, but uh, are not experiencing what God desires for them to experience. Well, and I think it's a lot more prevalent than what we display. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why I'm so excited to have you guys back because you spoke so vulnerably about what was happening in your marriage. And it helped literally thousands of people uh, reconsider God's way for marriage. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you that right there. Let's start with that question of why is marriage important to God who created us? Well, marriage does parallel the gospel and the work of God. In what way? And Ephesians 5 describes it. But just to put it in layman's terms, it is the picture of Jesus Christ laying down his life, pursuing a bride, the church, his people, people he calls to himself, laying down his life at the cross to purchase or redeem or love this bride well. And in Ephesians 5, it 
gives the man the mandate, you're to love your wife as Christ loved the church, which is pretty impossible to do. It's impossible on your own. And then the wife is to be responsive to that love, the church as the church responds to Christ. So we as a couple, when we claim to know Christ, we claim to have been changed and transformed by the power of the gospel. When we're not living that and people know us, especially like our children in our own home, we claim that the power of God has taken over our lives and yet we can't even get along. What is causing that not getting along? Mm -hmm. When you counsel couples and you talk with the folks, what are you hearing? What is that obstacle that the enemy of our soul is using to defeat us in this area of marriage? Well, I think that the enemy does, Jim, attack uh, very strongly and specifically uh, marriage because of how it is meant by our Creator to display His glory, to display His character, His goodness, what He desires for us. And so if the enemy in any way can diminish or detract from what God intended originally uh, for marriage couples to live out and to show a watching world, then uh, the enemy uh, believes that he gains an advantage in that. So I believe it is an attack. It is a spiritual attack. And so I don't believe that any believers are immune. In fact, I think that believers may actually have more um, a difficulty sometimes in their marriage than unbelievers. Well, it's so true. And people that don't understand this, I know I was working on a marriage book uh, a while back, and I thought Gene and I probably had more disagreement during that time in our marriage. And I was thinking, what is going on here? We haven't changed that much. <laughs> just book but, illustrations, I but guess. Just, well, no, it wasn't even, it was just the fact, I think, spiritually, that I was working on a book that reinforced exactly what you're saying, Leroy, that this is God's uh, will for us to display his image in humanity. And uh, Satan just does not like that. And you try to defend marriage God's way, you come under severe attack from the culture, from people who disagree with us, as well as spiritual attack. So that's where that's at. Let's get back into your story, because that's where we're going to learn so much. This idea of a fierce woman and a fearful man cycle. We talked about that a couple of years ago in that program, but refresh our memory about the uh, fierce woman and the fearful man, which is where you were in your marriage. Exactly. And we found that so many couples are there. Now, Describe it, though. Uh, I know. There's elements that you, the listener, you're going to yeah. say, this is me as the wife, and yeah. yep, that's me as a yeah. husband. Describe what it looks like. Okay. A fierce woman does not necessarily have to be an obnoxious, loud, rude woman. That may be what you think of when you first hear the word fierce. But she's strong, and she has maybe strong opinions. Now, some fierce women are quiet, and they go about it in a different way of expressing their fierceness. But it's usually a woman who... Um, like all women, we desire to be loved by our husbands. We desire to have our husbands lead us spiritually. And yet we have certain ideas about how things should be done. And we want to get that across. I've and never so... noticed that in Jean. That <laughs> does not describe Dina yeah, in the least. <laughs> and so we may push our husbands without even realizing we're doing it. We mm. put pressure on them. Now, some women, they don't even have to utter a word to exert their fierceness. They may just raise an eyebrow, or it may be the tone of voice. But a fierce woman can be one of two things. She can be beautiful, 
and encouraging and inspiring to a man to be all that he can be, all that God created him to be, or she can be destructive. She can emasculate him. And that's what I was doing to Leroy for so many years, and I didn't even realize it. Can you, to help us better understand that, there is the humorous side of it, and you guys have gone through this now, and uh, you're on the other side where you understand each other, you understand the pits and the bumps that we have in this life as a fallen world. Um, Describe that early part of your marriage. You touched on it, Leroy, but give us more context. How did that work out kind of on a day-to-day basis. In fact, you have a story about trying to teach uh, your good wife here how to shoot a firearm, <laughs> and uh, that didn't go so well. I wouldn't pick that environment. Yeah. To, uh, yeah. have if marriage trouble is existing, yeah. don't use firearms. Yeah. Do not try this but at home. Let's go for it and uh, describe that story for us. Well, I, I knew that I'd married way over my head, as most men probably, you know, at some point feel like they have, because Kim was just so uh, brilliant and so driven and had such an intensity for life, had such a passion, and I was drawn to that. But consequently, how it worked out in our daily life is, I mean, she just excelled in everything. And it seemed like almost a competition that I could never measure up. Uh, She wasn't uh, consciously trying to do that, but she was always uh, seemed to me like, uh, you can do this better. Here's here's how I would do this. And even in, uh, you know, I thought, well, there's one area, you know, I was raised in the country, so uh, she's never raised around firearms, so I'll show her how to. This is uh, your environment. (laughs) This is my, my, you know, my wheelhouse. I can handle this, so I can can show them that I'm a man and uh, uh, she's not better than me at something. And so uh, we were uh, at our home there in northwest Arkansas, rural Arkansas. And so I showed her all of the details uh, of how to operate a firearm. And, and I'd put a little uh, evaporated milk can, just a small can. Extra and, small target. Right? Extra small just target. to prove your yes, point. Right, yeah. I, I know where I, this is going. I couldn't have hit it, and I knew she couldn't hit it with this small pistol. And it was about 25 feet away at Jeez. the base of a tree. And she pulled the gun up, and uh, she squeezed off around. And I looked, and the dirt flew. And I thought, well, she came pretty close. And so uh, I made sure the firearm was secured. And I said, I'm going to go look at it. And I went over to the can, picked it up. And Elsie, the cow, had a hole right through her nose. Oh, I mean, it's like a dead-eye shot. Oh, it's just, I mean, it's unbelievable. And I said, okay. She said, did I hit it? I said, yeah, you hit it. I said, that's it. We're through for the day. I, I give up. So how did that make you feel, yeah. well, Mr. I mean, Man? I, I was I was always feeling like that uh, that uh, I, I just couldn't measure up. I couldn't measure up to her expectations. I couldn't measure up to what she wanted me to be. And in every area, she was more spiritual than I was. She was smarter than I was. She knew uh, better where to park than I did. If we would pull into place and I would park, she said, no, how come you didn't park over there? And uh, so I think that's a, that's like a DNA thing. With yeah. women. <laughs> it's, it's a spiritual DNA that really, I believe Jim goes back to the fall Yeah, where the woman has that desire because mm-hmm. of our rebellion and our diving into sin headlong against our gracious creator, that that is one of the spiritual DNA strands that a woman has that desire to rule over her husband. But God says, no, the rub is going to be that my will, how it's supposed to work is he is supposed to give you guidance and direction. But Jim, I will say that I did not realize I was doing that. And I think a lot of women, fierce women have good intentions They think they're just helping their husbands. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Man, I knew my marriage was falling apart. 
I just didn't know how to fix it. I felt like I would always be alone, even if I stayed married. At Focus on the Family's Hope Restored Marriage Intensive, we offer hope to couples in crisis so they can have the marriage they've always dreamed of. For the first time, I felt like my husband truly heard me. I've received some great tools from the counselors that have changed my life and my marriage. To begin the journey of finding health, go to HopeRestored.com today. Your marriage has 12 essential traits, and the Focus on Marriage Assessment is designed to evaluate those traits and help you build a relationship that thrives. It's free and only takes about 10 minutes to complete. Based on the research and experience of Dr. Greg and Aaron Smalley, this assessment will help you and your spouse discover areas that are working well and things that could use improvement, like communication, conflict, and commitment. Go to FocusOnTheFamily.com assessment to get started. That's FocusOnTheFamily.com assessment. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Kimberly, I want to give you that chance to describe that time in your marriage where it was tough and you were trying to get Leroy up to spec. Right. <laughs> you right. know, you were trying to get to his it. game up. But there's ways to do that that are more edifying yes. rather than uh, destructive. Yes. So what were you learning in that process as a woman, as a very efficient, effective woman, uh, all the things that Leroy just said, smart, and you could do everything so well. You can even shoot a gun the first time through a target he couldn't hit, which uh, I don't know if that's true. But um, <laughs> the point of it is uh, a lot of women are in that spot right now, even hearing uh, we're here as men to help guide you, rustles the feathers of many women, and even some men are going, no, that can't be my role, leading and all of that. Describe Mm -hmm. for us where you were at and what you're trying to achieve and how God was teaching you, okay, this isn't the way to go. Well, and it took a long time for me to learn. I wasn't learning well. We were miserable for at least 15 years Mm. before God started breaking me first and really doing a a humbling work in my life that was very needed. But in those years leading up to that, I would struggle because I had in my mind this invented picture of what I thought Leroy should be, and then daily life was much different than that. And part of that, Jim, is we as young women, we bring into our lives the men we've known before that we have been our heroes in our lives, whether it was a dad or whether it was an older brother or whatever, and we measure that husband against that. Maybe it's just an imaginary man, and we measure that husband against that. And these young guys, they aren't yet experienced with life. They don't have that same maturity level. Um, and, men, and then if I could interject, then you add into that so many women have uh, suffered at the hands yes. of an authority male figure. Yes. And so they're going to raise up defenses and they're going to say, I'm going to be the one that is going to make sure that uh, I'm, I'm not going to take care of myself yeah. and I'm not going to let any man uh, harm me in any way. And right. so that factors in often, too. And what I didn't realize was every time that I would say something like, you know, why did you do it that way? Where as I wasn't meaning that as I put down or to question him in a way that would be destructive. But for him, it translated into, oh, I didn't do it right again. I can never do anything right. I can never measure up to your expectations. And so what he began to do was to go further and further into a cave to just shut down. Withdraw. Withdraw and become passive and just say, you don't like the way I'm doing it, you take care of everything. You lead. You take over. And I thought that was noble because 
I'm a Christian, so I'm not going to fight. I'm not going to escalate a a situation. I'm not going to attack her. I'm not going to try to bring her down. So there was a certain kind of a victim uh, mentality that had an attachment of nobility to it. And I think a lot of Christian men do that same thing as far as retreating into a cave and withdrawing from leadership that God would have them to understand and to live out. And they think they're doing the right thing. And while he's in his cave, I'm over here dying because I want a man that will communicate with me, that will that will step up to be the leader, that will be involved in my life and listen to me. Yet he has just shut down. And the further I would pull, the more pressure I would give, the worse it would become. Well, and that's the irony of ironies. The thing you were desiring the most, yes. you were actually creating Fighting. an environment that was the opposite of what you wanted. Yes. And that's in part that cycle that you've talked about in your book, Men Who Love Fierce Women, how to break that cycle. And uh, I think that's why this is such a vital conversation. Let me push into this a little bit, because I think in the Christian marriage, there's confusion about passivity and grace. And I can understand where you are at, Leroy. And I'm sure just about every man gets this. I, a funny story at church. Gene likes to sit in a particular place at church, but it's a crowded place. It's a big church. And I remember, I mean, we'd be arguing quietly coming into church and there's no spot there. And she'd be trying to find a way to make room. And it's really tough to do it. And I'm saying, can't we just sit over here where there's four seats? You know, two for us, two for the boys. And no, I, I want to sit over here. And it became a distraction till finally I just said, you know, don't ask me where I want to sit. You just pick where you want to sit and we'll just sit there. Now, that's a little example, but it is this idea of passivity versus how to handle uh, leadership and God's grace. Speak to that distinction where a man is being passive and it actually is destroying the relationship rather than helping it. Yeah. Leroy did not, I don't think he consciously thought that's what he was doing. He was being noble, he thought, and not arguing with me. But what couples need, and if you're listening right now and you're a man and you're thinking, my wife, she's that fierce woman, I just want to say, talk to her. Approach her. Approach her in humility. But that's what has got to happen to break down the walls of resistance between the two of you is honest conversations in humility. Let her know how you're struggling, how you feel that you would like to care for her. You would like to be there for her. You don't want to retreat, but you don't feel you've really got a safe place to stand. And let's work together on how to find that, how to work that out. Leroy, hit that head on that for us men that retreat and guys putting a disguise on it, calling it spiritual when it's really passivity. And I don't really want to argue anymore. It's just easier if she just makes a decision. I'm done with it. And I'll even smile to make it look really Mm -hmm. Christian because I'm really kind and nice. But underneath you're boiling and you're just seething and you're but you're not willing to fight anymore. You're done. So you just get quiet. How do you distinguish where you're at in that continuum? Well, and I think that's a great point, Jim. And not only you're boiling because of of the, the condition that your marriage is in, but I think there's this tension, especially within Christian men, that you know intuitively, you may not have a good theological grasp on it, but you know as a Christian man 
what God has called you to, and you are failing at that most important calling, and you feel like that you're in quicksand, and you cannot, the more that you fight, or the more you try, or sometimes even with me, the more I prayed, it seemed like the farther that we were sinking. And when I tried to talk with Kim, it would become emotional, or she was so intense, and I was not good at at dealing with conflict or at debate. I just never, you know, conflict avoidance was a major part of my life and my personality. And you probably learned that she was, she'll get the better of it. Absolutely. So once you have wrestled with a bobcat a time or two, you don't approach them anymore. I mean, and so that's really kind of the way it was with me. I was no match for her intensity. I could not deal with her emotion uh, that she brought. And she was emotional because it was breaking her heart. It was ruining our marriage. And I did not have a handle on it. And I knew that. Kim, what was it you were looking for from Leroy that later would make the difference? What was it you were demanding of him that he didn't know you were demanding of him? I wanted attention, security. I wanted, you know, we talk about the love languages. Well, quality time and physical touch, those things were important to me. They weren't so much important to Leroy. And so when I'm crying out for what will meet my needs or what I think will meet my needs, and he's not there, he's off in his own realm, you know, and yet he doesn't, like he said, he wouldn't want to hug a porcupine. Hmm. So was that it, Leroy? Uh, was it that you had learned that you can't give her what she's really looking for, so you're not even going to try? And what happens, and that's right, John, and what happened to me, and I think it happens to so many, because I think it's just a part of the the nature of sin, any sin. It, uh, it convinces us that this is the right way to go. It drags us further in to misery and further away from God and from his grace. And so as I begin to withdraw, thinking that that was the right thing to do is the only thing to do, there's no way that I could deal with this fierce woman that God had given me. And we knew that the Lord had placed us together. That was a part of what we were struggling with and what I was wrestling with. Mm -hmm. I began to develop a bitterness, bitterness toward her. It's hard to love someone that you're bitter against and, and hard to be thankful for the treasure that God has given you when you are, she's ruining your life. Mm -hmm. Leroy, let me, let me interject here because some people might be saying, wow, what a horrible marriage you must've had. But the way that you could describe it is uh, if you say to your, to your spouse, we're like roommates, that would be experiencing this distance, right? So if you're married and you have expressed that to your spouse, you know, we feel more like we're roommates than intimate partners, lovers, uh, one flesh, according to the scripture. That's probably an indication that you have a problem, right? Absolutely. I think a lot of marriages, a lot of couples have called a truce. They're still at war. They're functionally married. They're functionally married, but they're not displaying the glory of God by enjoying God's blessings that uh, talks about in Peter, the blessing of life, seeing good days, loving life, inheriting the grace of life. We didn't have any idea that that was possible. In fact, Leroy, you described in your book that you came to a crisis of faith and uh, you resigned or contemplated resigning from being a pastor. I did resign. Uh, You contemplated suicide. Yeah, I mean, there's I'm ashamed a, of that. Jim, there's a dark true. place, but Absolutely. but it's real, and I so appreciate the fact that you're willing to pop that part of your heart open so that the Lord could use it for others right now who may be right in that spot. They're so desperate they don't even know if they want to live. Describe that moment and how dark that must have felt for you. Well, 
I don't know that I can describe it adequately. The darkness was so dark and the pain was so deep. And I think when anybody comes, and there's probably some listening today, sadly, that when you lose hope, and especially as a believer, when hope is what our walk with God, our our faith in Christ is all about, uh, when you lose that hope because of a crisis of faith, because of something that is happening in your life, like a marriage situation that you can't get a handle on and you don't see any hope for ever getting out of it, then I begin to have a, a doubt of God caring for me and loving me. And so theologically, I was saying, like, what's the use of going on? I mean, if this is what life is all about, if this is what it's come to, and God has brought us to this place, he's brought us together, wasn't blaming God, in a sense I was, and that's where that bitterness came from. But I began to abandon a confidence in God. And that is the real issue. Mm. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? And I would say to that person that thinks that this is never going to get any better, it's just going to get worse, and I might as well check out, I might as well leave, or you might be contemplating suicide. Really what you're doing is you're expressing an utter lack of confidence in God. And that'll bring us to the end of today's Focus on the Family conversation with Kim and Leroy Wagner. And I hope that what they've had to share has really spoken to your heart. Uh, John, Kim and Leroy are so good at expressing the pain they went through and offering hope to couples in similar situations. Uh, Many couples, and you may be one of them, are trying to do their best when it comes to their marriage, but sometimes you need a little help, and that's why Focus on the Family is here. We have a team of caring Christian counselors on staff to help you with your particular situation. You can give us a call or go online to set up a specific time to talk with them. We also have our Hope Restored Marriage Intensives for couples on the brink of divorce. If it's gotten to that point, why not invest one last effort to save your marriage? We'd count it a privilege to be able to help you in that effort. We also have Kim and Leroy's book, Men Who Love Fierce Women, and we'd love to send you a copy as our way of saying thank you when you pledge to partner with the ministry of Focus on the Family on a monthly basis. That helps us so much. And uh, again, everything goes right back into helping marriages and many other areas of ministry. If you can't commit to a monthly pledge, we get that, but perhaps a one-time donation will work and we'll send the book as a gift in that case as well. Yeah, you can donate, uh, set up a time to speak with a counselor, find out more about Hope Restored. Uh, all the details are at our website, focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast, or call 800, the letter A, and the word family. And on behalf of Jim Daly, thanks so much for listening today to Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller, inviting you back as we once again hear from Leroy and Kim and help you and your family thrive in Christ. listening to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We'll take a quick break and then return with the second half of this program for your family. Stay tuned. But a fierce woman can be one of two things. She can be beautiful and encouraging and inspiring to a man to be all that he can be, all that God created him to be, or she can be destructive. She can emasculate him. 
And that's what I was doing to Leroy for so many years, and I didn't even realize it. That's Kimberly Wagner, and uh, she and her husband Leroy return to Focus on the Family today. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. John, Kim and Leroy have such a powerful message for all married couples. They went through some very difficult times that nearly destroyed their marriage. Kim is a self-proclaimed fierce woman. Another description of that might be strong-willed, and that quality can really tear down a husband or, like she said, build him up, depending on how it's used. In this case, uh, Leroy felt emasculated and trapped, but they hung in there and God was able to get a hold of them. Uh, They shared their story with us to offer encouragement to the men who love these fierce women. I do want to give a little update. Leroy and Kim have been walking through a difficult faith journey since this program originally aired. Leroy was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease that attacked his spinal cord. I hope you'll join me in praying for them. Well, they both are really such wonderful people and have a positive outlook. We're really uh, trusting God with them through this difficult time and wish them the best. Here now is the conversation with Kim and Leroy Wagner on today's Focus on the Family. Um, We left at a very awkward moment uh, last time where you were describing that feeling of despair and even contemplating suicide. Your response was, I'm ashamed to even say that I was in that spot. Uh, As a pastor, which you were, uh, why the shame? I mean, it's real. It's what you were feeling. Why would you feel shame? Well, I'd been called even before our marriage to preach, and I began pastoring even before I met Kim. And so that was a calling of God upon my life. And now realizing that our marriage created a um, such a problem uh, in uh, being able to genuinely uh, express the gospel, express the claims of Christ, and then we're not living them out in our marriage that I no longer felt that I could continue uh, to pastor. And so I resigned. And so it was at that state where I thought, I've lost my calling, my ministry, what God created me for. I don't have a handle on marriage, which is the most important relationship of my life. How can I, how can I do anything? How can I be a, a, a father to my children? I'm no good for anything at this point, because at the most basic point of who I am as a person, and my calling to preach and to pastor and being a husband to the one woman that God has placed me with, if I have failed in those respects, then I am a complete failure and there is no hope. And what I didn't know, Jim, is that God wanted me not to be in that place of pain. God loves us and cares for us, but that pain was so necessary that even contemplating and thinking about it would be better if I were not even alive. I can't live anymore like this was actually a work of grace. And I didn't realize it at that moment, but God was bringing me to the end of myself, the death of self. Leroy Wagner needed to die. I thought I was a great guy, and I thought I'd be a great husband. I thought I was a a good follower of Christ. And really, that was a pride issue, which if you'd have known me, you wouldn't have thought that pride was involved. But pride is involved in all of our lives. Mm. And God had to bring me to that painful place. And what I thought was going to be the death of me, our miserable marriage, was the death of me. 
But it was the proper death, the biblical death, that we need to die in Christ in order that he might resurrect us and bring us uh, the life that he desires for us to have, not what we think we can work out on our own. Wow. Kimberly, I mean, your eyes are full of tears right now. And that's a beautiful thing. But what are you feeling? What are you sensing? So sorry, guys. Well, this is no. This is good. I mean, this you're feeling something. I want to understand it, Jim. When I look back at that time, it was such a dark time, and I knew he was in a bad place. We were in a bad place, and I kept thinking, "There's got to be an answer. There's got to be a way out." I would cry out to God, but no answers were coming. That had to be a lonely place for you, too. I mean, trying to find an answer, a fierce woman, and trying I to save it. Right, and I wouldn't talk to anyone about it because he's my pastor. Mm. I'm not going to speak against my pastor. Even after he stepped down from pastoring, uh, I just I didn't want others to think negatively of my husband, even though... I, at times, he was repulsing me. He was, we were living almost like enemies, but I didn't want others to think badly of him. So I didn't reach out for help. I didn't turn to others at first. I am so thankful, though, that God did eventually answer those prayers. Why do you think it took longer than what you were hoping for? I think that was needed for one thing. It was needed to bring us both to such a place of brokenness. Mm -hmm. We were both operating in pride for so long. We were pointing the finger at the other person, Mm -hmm. saying it's all their fault. If he would just change, if Leroy would just do this, or if he would just be this way, or if he would meet me here at this point of need. So I was completely pointing my finger at him, and it took God bringing me to a place of brokenness and humility. Now, I am concerned, too, for wives who may not even realize that their husbands are at a point of suicide. I didn't realize that that was going through Leroy's heart and mind, that he was contemplating suicide. Mm -hmm. And since the book has come out, we've had husbands contact us that that's where they are. They want to commit suicide. Mm -hmm. They have such a high level of commitment to Christ, so to say, and his word, that they don't want to divorce their wives and leave them that way. But yet they've lost so much hope. They think I can just check out and the world will be better off without me. Well, and I think it's a perfect place for us to say, if you are hurting and you need help, call us here at Focus on the Family. We have caring Christian counselors that will help you. And uh, if the phone volume is uh, at a point where we need you to leave your name and number, do that, and we will call you back quickly. Uh, But that is one of the reasons Focus is here. That's why supporters support this ministry, to provide that kind of help for you. Um, To better define this, you talked in the book, uh, Men Who Love Fierce Women, about three destructive heart issues. I'd like to unpack that. What were the three destructive heart issues that you were encountering so that those that are listening can say, yeah, I've got two of those working in my heart right now. And then the antidote for that, what God was speaking to you. Never 
underestimate, as I did, the power of your own self-deception. Wow. I thought I was going to be a great husband, and I thought I was a great guy and, you know, lover of Jesus. And so that was part of of what was so hard for me to understand. Why wouldn't she love me? Why couldn't I be a good husband? And uh, uh, really, uh, there are three things that God dealt with me that was at the heart of my uh, problems, and that was, first of all, fear. God dealt with me that uh, that I had operated long before I met Kim really on a basis of fear, that that was a lot of what motivated me in my Christian experience, uh, that uh, I was uh, fearful of letting others down. I was fearful of not uh, living up to the expectations and standards of, of what I believe was expected of me. And I had a fearful heart. Mm-hmm. I, I'm by nature kind of a timid person, and I'm a, an introvert. And uh, But I also had the responsibility of pastoring, shepherding, leading other people. And I, I didn't want to let them down. I didn't want to let God down. And uh, But instead of uh, operating on a basis uh, of love, uh, my Christian experience was, and I think a lot of people, uh, they operate on a basis of fear. And that entered in, carried over into our marriage, that that was the reason why that every time Kim addressed something or made a comment, that uh, uh, it struck to the heart, well, I'm never good enough. I knew that that was right. I was afraid that that's what she would think of me. And uh, she didn't know that that own inner struggle was going on in my heart, but the enemy kept attacking at that weak point, at that weak point. And perfect love casts out fear. Yes. And God spoke to me very, very clearly through his words, son, this is an issue that I had to bring you to this very painful point to show you mm-hmm. what was deep within your heart that you didn't even know was there. It is so connected to how I relate to God. And my relationship with my wife that was at such a horrible point was really a reflection of my relationship with God that I had thought was good, but in reality, God wanted to deal with the areas in my heart that was not pleasing to him. It's so gracious of God to do that, oh, even yeah, though it was so painful and, and life-rending and we thought it was going to be the end. God is always doing a good and gracious work. Describe before and after, uh, because you've gone through this valley, what did God look like before you realized in a deeper way who God is and then describe what you learned through the valley and who he truly is. Well, God looked like to me a sovereign ruler and king that I should be honored and was honored to serve him and to be his servant and dutifully went about serving him in all the ways that I thought that he would have me to. And uh, sometimes, of course, sensed uh, my uh, inadequacies keenly and his displeasure I would project from feeling my own inadequacies. And so even though I, I worship God and I had a, a good understanding of God in many ways, it was a faulty understanding of God. Mm. And God wanted me to bring me to a place of appreciating him, of being in awe of him, of loving him, not for what he's done in the past as recorded in scripture, not for what he may have done in my life that's good, but for who he is even when everything is broken 
and all around me. He is God and he's good. And I did not think that God was good at the point where we were experiencing what we were. I thought, God, you put us into this. You knew this was going to happen. I've tried to follow you. I've tried to do everything that that I thought you wanted me to do. And here I am, God. Back to the performance. Yeah. You know what? And Leroy. So that's where the ingratitude is. Yeah. And I'm sorry to pressure on that. We all live there. That's Mm -hmm. the reality. That's the point I'm trying to make is every one of us, every one of us at this table, everyone listening to us through podcast or radio right now, you can hook into this. You can relate to this because we're all human and we're, we're all fallen creatures. And this is the area where that fallenness gets a hold of our hearts and just twists us, doesn't it? It does. And now I'm just permeated, Jim, by a thankfulness for who God is as he is displayed, not only in his word, which is perfect and powerful, but in pouring out his grace in our lives. And I'm so ashamed that I didn't respond in the way that I should have that initially led to this. But I'm so grateful for God taking what is the worst, and only he can do this, and leading us out of the grave of our marital misery and having, uh, allowing us to know uh, what we're experiencing now as a married couple. But it takes a willingness to fight through this darkness and to say, okay, I'm gonna, I want to do it better. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. I was convinced that nothing could change what was going on in our marriage, and I didn't want to try anymore. But my commitment to God helped me try one more time. We went to a Hope Restored Marriage Intensive, and it was life-changing. The counselors created the safest environment we could imagine, so that let us really talk. We're on a much different course now, and I believe we received a miracle that week. Receive your free consultation at HopeRestored.com. Oh, hey, Mike. Got here as soon as I could. What's going on, man? Hey, I just wanted to give you an update on my marriage. Is it good news? Yeah. Our marriage is going great right now. I couldn't be happier. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. It's like a solid 5 out of 10. (laughs) Having a marriage that's just okay isn't where couples really want to live. Give yourself and your spouse an all-inclusive weekend where you'll slow your pace and focus on each other. Get more details at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash getaway. That's FocusOnTheFamily.com slash getaway. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Kimberly, I want to swing back to you um, because one of the things you mentioned in the book that you were so desperate to get from Leroy and your relationship with Leroy was leadership. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, saying that, I there goes the car right <laughs> off the road. Some woman is saying, leadership, I don't need leadership from my husband. We're equal in, the, mm-hmm. you know, in this modern day. I'm not going to be led by him. I want to be a partner of his, but to be led by him? Come on, Kimberly. That's so ancient. And we are created equal. God values the man and the woman equally. Amen. He created us uh, with the same worth and value, but different functions. And, And it works best God's way. And he did create the man to be the leader. But it's hard to do as a woman, isn't it? In this modern world to bend? What does that look like where it's healthy? And what does it look like when it's unhealthy? Yeah. And let me just say unhealthy first, that a woman who, if you're right now going through an abusive situation, 
that is not biblical submission. That is not God honoring. And please reach out to your church leadership or to civil authorities because you do not need to be in a place where you're under physical oppression or in a dangerous place at all. Um, But that wasn't the case with us or with a lot of marriages. A lot of women, we don't want to follow our husband's leadership unless he's leading the way we want to go. So how do you how do you define what I would suggest is a lack of respect, perhaps, that you don't yes. respect your husband a lack because of respect. he's not doing the things the way you would do them. And the way you feel like is best. How did yeah. you grapple with that? How did you come to the Lord and say, okay, maybe I've got a problem here, Lord, help me see it. How did yeah. that uh, work through your life? We've heard Leroy's gripping tale. Mm-hmm. Where were you in this moment? You know, I went away to a cabin because I just was done. Nobody knew that's why I was going to the cabin. But I was just like, I am not going to stay in this marriage any longer this way. God, if you are able to change us, I've got to have you step in and move and work. And in that cabin, God was so gracious. He took me through scripture. I wasn't there looking for an answer for me to change, I just wanted God to do something. And when he brought me to that Titus chapter 2 passage, it's a lot of times we talk about the biblical womanhood passage. You know, it says that these are all of the things that older women are to teach younger women, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be pure. There's a long list there. But it starts out with love their husbands, that older women are to train younger women to love their husbands. That was a light bulb moment. Oh, that doesn't come naturally. I need to be trained in that. But at the end of it was really where God pricked my heart. We're to be loving our husbands so that, verse 5 says, the word of God will not be blasphemed. Mm. Blasphemed. And it suddenly, God graciously opened my eyes to the fact that By me resisting Leroy, disrespecting Leroy, demeaning him, emasculating him, I was not bringing glory to God. I was, in fact, claiming to be a believer, claiming that the power of the gospel had transformed me, and yet I was blaspheming God's word. I was not loving my husband. I was not honoring him. And God was so gracious to bring me to a place of brokenness and humility where I began writing out everything, not that Leroy was doing wrong, but that God was showing me how I had been disrespectful, how I, no wonder he didn't want to lead me. I wasn't leadable. Mm. Um, I wrote all of that out and I asked to meet with him and I asked his forgiveness for that. I asked him to read through all of that first. And then we met with our children as well, and I asked their forgiveness because I had so disrespected their father in front of them, my husband. Mm. And Kimberly, what's good about this, you you talked a moment ago, Leroy, about fear and ingratitude. Really, the third destructive heart issue is pride. And I'm hearing that in what you're saying, Kimberly. This is the, the pride aspect of it. I was operating in such pride. Yeah. And God was gracious to bring that humility, to open my eyes to all of the ways that I had harmed him. 
And I believe that was answer to prayer. You know, we talked about Leroy and I were crying out to God and we weren't seeing him move and work. But he did in his timing. He, he stepped moving. in. Yeah, he was. He stepped in. He spoke to Leroy. He spoke to me. And it really took it. What was necessary was humility and the willingness to stop blaming the other person and say, I need to ask you to forgive me. Kimberly, the difficulty in that, and I want to speak to that wife who is struggling. She's still on this wall. And I paint this picture to help all of us see it better. When you're on the prideful side of the wall and you are pointing the finger saying, if he would do this, if he would do that, it's just, but that wall is 20 foot high. You can't get over it. And I'm sure some women right now are saying, how do I get to that better place on the other side of that prideful wall, that humility side? Yeah. And for that woman who's stuck in that place, how does she get to the other side? Yeah. Ask God, ask God to give you compassion and kindness and care for that husband that you're so mad at right now. Ask God to change your heart. Colossians chapter 3, start with verse 12. Walk through to about verse 18 or 19 and ask God to do those works in your heart. Ask yourself, has God forgiven you? Have you lived perfectly? So it starts in your own heart. Yes. Mm. And marriage is a grace factory because what God desires for us to be as husbands and wives, we cannot do it on our own. Even in our best efforts, our best intentions, our Christianized formulas that we have, we cannot do what God has called us to do on our own strength, on our own wisdom, in our own righteousness. And that's really what was going on in our, we thought that we could because we knew all the biblical answers. We taught the Bible and all of this, but she could not be submissive in a biblical way that honored God on her own until God broke her to the place Mm -hmm. where the spirit just began to do a transforming work. I could not be the leader of this fierce woman that God intended for me to be until God did a breaking, crushing work in my own heart to show me that really I was prideful at the heart. I I want to repeat that because it is such a powerful statement that marriage is God's grace factory. I'm going to steal that, can I? Yes, you I love that. <laughs> and as you describe the um, the brokenness that you both encountered, what were the next steps like for you? I mean, did you have to let go? How, how did you start asserting your leadership, and how did you start following that leadership in a way that I, I'm sure it was messy as you began? Well, when she first laid out to me all that God had revealed to her, what was going on in her own heart, I was so... Uh, emotionally uh, spent and did not want to enter into something that might look hopeful and promising only to be dashed again. And so my response was basically just stone cold. So I would say to couples who begin this process, again, cry out to God, trust God, trust in God's goodness and his good intentions for your marriage, but don't put expectations on your spouse or a timetable where they must respond and react in a certain way. Let God do his work in his perfect timing and way. Because John, God hadn't yet dealt with Leroy's heart. Mm -hmm. It took first me coming to him and asking forgiveness. And then it was about two years of him watching me. Oh, wow to see if God really had done that work of transformation. And that's why I'm encouraging women to dig into Colossians 3, because I started asking God to do those works in my heart of humility, of forgiveness, 
of kindness that needed to be done. And as he watched that, and he went away to to a cabin, and that's where God opened his eyes about the issue of fear. And I was afraid really, to come out of my cave. You were. And, and, and I don't you had blame presented you. <laughs> a safe place in those two years by your response to the work of grace in your heart. I begin to sense that it was safe to come out now, yeah. safe to wow. expose to you what I didn't even know myself, and now God was revealing to me. And it's only when you get it, that very core of brokenness and self-exposure, where you can really begin to build a unity and a oneness that God desires. And the first real step of leadership that he took that made the most significant change in our relationship was he responded to a request I'd asked years before if he would pray with me daily. Here he'd been a pastor, would pray with other people, would lead in prayer publicly, but he would not pray with so me. So it wasn't a big, big deal, It, but it was. It was. It made it's such a, a small... significant change. Mm. And he still, he prays with me daily, never lets a day go by, but Many times throughout the day, often. I'm and amazed at how hard it is for men to do that with their seeming so insignificant and small, but it is really a huge yeah. step. There's especially a spiritual, consistently. Especially consistently. There's a spiritual covering. You take that mantle of leadership in such, it seems like such a humble way, but the woman feels secure that her man is lifting her up to God, that there's a spiritual protection and covering. There's something that happens in the heavenlies. It's almost mystical. I'm not a mystic, but there's something powerful when when a man begins to pray for his treasure, his wife. And with that, we come to the close of this Focus on the Family conversation with Leroy and Kim Wagner. Uh, John, Kim and Leroy's story is so moving and hits home with many of us. Uh, it reminds me of the stories we hear from our Hope Restored Marriage Intensives, uh, a marriage in crisis redeemed by God himself. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, here at Focus on the Family, we want to help every marriage thrive. But sometimes husbands and wives, like Leroy and Kim, and maybe, like you, find their relationship is in serious trouble. Our Hope Restored Marriage Intensive Experience for couples who are facing terrible difficulties in their marriage is made for that moment. If you're in that spot, feeling like your marriage is at its end or near its end, give us a call. Let us help you find that hope in your marriage and in each other again. And maybe you've been through a crisis in your marriage and you've come out on top. You know what it's like to walk through the mud of despair and brokenness, but God brought you through it. Consider partnering with Focus on the Family so that we together can help couples rebuild and strengthen their marriages. When you make a monthly pledge today, we'll send you a copy of Leroy and Kim's wonderful book, Men Who Love Fierce Women, as our way of saying thank you for being a partner. And if you can't commit to a monthly gift, we get that. We'll send you a copy for a one-time gift of any amount. Learn more about our Hope Restored program or donate and get your copy of Men Who Love Fierce Women. All the details are at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast or call 800, the letter A in the word family, 800-232-6459. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once more help you and your family thrive in Christ.